one, two. Welcome to the John Lennon Hour with Jude Sutherland Kessler, author of the John Lennon series. Volume 1, Should Have Been There. Volume 2, Shivering Inside. And Volume 3, She Loves You. Purchase your copy of the John Lennon series at johnlennonseries.com. Welcome, Beatles fans. This is the John Lennon Hour. Broadwayworld.com called it an extraordinary rock and roll celebration of the life and music of John Lennon. And the article goes on to say, back by rock band working class hero, including Greg Piper on bass, Don Butler on guitar, Morley Bartnoff on keyboards, and Don Poncher on drums, Tim Piper brilliantly embodies the much-loved music icon, John Lennon. That's what the critics say. But let me tell you what I saw when I attended Tim Piper's show a few years ago. A single death knell rings in the darkness, and then a rewind button is pushed, and to the sound of tape violently recoiling, images on a jumbo screen also begin to rewind, past the Dakota, past John Solo years, past the ugly, bickering years of Let It Be, past the psychedelic days, past the moments of Shea Stadium, past the yeah, yeah, yeahs of Beatlemania, past the nightlife of Hamburgiburg, and there... There stands John in his leather jacket, center stage, here with us once again, watching the images of his life flash past him on this jumbo screen. He turns to the audience and shouts, makes me wish I could do it all again. And the program begins with the unfettered, unleashed sounds of revolution. It's electric. And Tim Piper brings John to us once more in a show that you will never forget. Costumes, backdrops, a great band. I want to tell you this show has it all. Beatlesnews.com called it groundbreaking. And the Los Angeles Times selected it as their critic's choice. And they said nothing Matches, Strawberry Fields Forever, as done by Tim Piper. Live, dense, ecstatic, raining down around your ears. KABC Radio in L.A. enthused, Tim Piper is John Lennon. And after spending 30 years of my life, eight hours a day, researching John Lennon, I have to tell you that the show sent me out into the hallway in tears. It's incredible. And here with us tonight is the man who imagined, 
and created this remarkable show. He starred in so many films and TV shows. The CBS production of the Linda McCartney story, E-Channel's John Lennon story, and Beatles Wives. And he served as a singing voice for John Lennon on the NBC TV movie of the week, In His Life, The John Lennon Story. He is a remarkable actor, a remarkable singer, and he's found the perfect niche for his voice and also for his looks and his talent. So if you guys will help me, let's welcome to the show the remarkable Tim Piper. Tim, are you there? Of course I'm here, Jude. What a fabulous introduction. I'm, I'm honored and privileged to be with you. Well, you just, you blew me away. I was out there boohooing like a little girl. Uh-huh. Well, you know, the thing about the Beatles, it keeps us all as young at heart, you know. Uh, we all discovered them, you know, 50 years ago uh, when we were younger, and uh, they cut a piece of our heart that we'll, we'll never forget them for the rest of our lives. Right. You're right. Well, let's go back to those early days when we were younger. So in your life, you know, you do the tribute to John, the Just Imagine tribute to John. But when when in your life did you start realizing that you really resembled John very, very much? And not only you resembled him physically, but you had the amazing singing and acting ability to recreate this legend. When did that all come about? Yeah, that, that's a hard one to pinpoint because, you know, when you're younger, you, you don't look at something uh, as phenomenal as the Beatles and say, you know, when I grow up, <laughs> I'm, going to, yeah, I'm going to perform a tribute to this man. Uh, it kind of grew on me, and, um, you know, the Beatles were always my favorite. Let me start by saying, even though it gives my age away, but I certainly don't mind, I was seven years old in second grade in New York that February when the Beatles played on the Ed Sullivan show, and um, even though that might seem young to some people, if you look at the modern people, the you know the Miley Cyruses, the uh, you know Britney Spears, even if you go back to you know Michael Jackson, you know kids pick up on music, you know especially if it's emotionally correct to them, uh, at a very early age. And I, yeah. I certainly remember being taken by them and realizing this is really something. You know, back then, if you were a boy in America, you, you had a crew cut, and you were going to grow up to either be an astronaut or join the Army, you know, and girls didn't even wear dress jeans. I mean, they wore dresses, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then the Beatles appeared, and all of a sudden there was this androgynous creatures from another world, you know, <laughs> saying... You know, saying it's 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 okay. Things you know, things are gonna be a little bit different. You know, they were wartime babies. They were born when Liverpool was being bombed by Hitler, and somehow they all survived. Um, and and even Ringo said, you know, it was the first time when they were teenagers that there wasn't the equivalency of a draft in England, which gave them the opportunity to try to carve their own future. And their way of doing it was through music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so anyway. So I, I guess you know, as I grew older, uh, the Beatles were always my favorite. That's obviously well established. Um, but I, I just favored them. I never thought again about you know, trying to emulate them in any way. I just loved their music. I I always had a band going. Um, yeah, I moved to Los Angeles in 1966. Uh, fortunately, my next-door neighbor was a huge Beatles fan, 
and his older sister knew Bob Eubanks of all things. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was, you know, I was in the right neighborhood, you know, <laughs> and um, I, I just kind of realized, well, you know, I, I have an, a Scotch Irish background with a little English thrown in, and um, I just happened, you know, I, even though I was born 16 years younger than John Lennon. When I realized the Beatles, I thought to myself, man, you know, if I was a little bit older, I could have been one of them is kind of how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how it yeah. started. Well, you did. You and know? so when did you do your first performance, when you put your first show together? Because you, you've gone through several iterations of the show. Do you know when you first started it? Yeah. Well, the, the first thing I did in the late 80s, I was, um, you know, I, I played all the clubs in Los Angeles. I did everything you, you could do to try to be like an original artist. And as you grow older, you think, okay, my chances are getting slimmer. Mm-hmm. But then um, after I was out of high school in uh, the late 70s, 77 to 79, there was a show on Broadway called Beatlemania. Right. And I thought, I thought well, heck, you, you, you can make a living doing this? I, you know, now I was still <laughs> a, a little bit – not ready for that, or not quite as old as the other people, who I now know most of the alumni from Beatlemania have played with most of them. Um, but I realized, okay, this is something I could do. And so I started in the Beatle business, which, you know, exists, as you know, because you're there for all the uh, conventions and what have you. Yeah. Um so, you know, I played in my own group, Revolution. I played with everyone, the Fab Four. I played with Rain, you know, tried to help them go to Broadway even uh, a couple of years ago. And um, it, it was it was 2000 where I finally, I had it in my mind that, that if you can remember back about 1967, a wonderful actor named Hal Holbrook mm-hmm. did a show sure. called Mark Twain. Mark Twain Tonight. Absolutely. Yeah, and I right. thought this this is brilliant. Here's one guy out there telling a story, and he looked like him, and, and he felt like him, and he just transported you into this, you know, idiom where where you could feel and hear and sense this guy's personality. And I thought, man, wouldn't that be special if one day we could have something like that for our generation? And it just hit me. Well, why not do John Lennon? And I. And I kept looking around thinking, well, why hasn't anyone done it? And then it yeah. finally hit me, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the guy to do it. Yes. Yeah. Well, you definitely and, um, are. You, you nail it. Oh, oh thank you. You're, you're very kind. But um, especially coming from someone as invested as you are, um, I think you're going to be uh, known in years to come as the preeminent author you know, for all things John Lennon and the Beatles. I just think, Thank you know, you I've got, I I just, you know, as of last week, I received your first uh, three books. <laughs> so I'm starting to crack into those as well because I, I I try to read everything there is, see everything, and, and I still venture on the Internet every day. You mentioned Beatlenews.com. They're one of the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, work with, I work with people like Joe Johnson, uh, who allows me to do little vignettes for his Beatle Brunch, you know, which kind of gets into kind of a musical history bit here and there, depending on the theme of the week. Um, So, gosh, in in 2000, I decided to put together a Lennon Act, and I I thought, well, how about calling it Working Class Hero? And uh, my brother is 
you know, has been my partner in the Beatle world, and he's supported me and he's helped promote me and and do a lot of the behind the scenes work that people really don't get credit for. Uh, right. He plays bass, he plays bass in that, and it's still in the show. Uh, Don Butler, a fantastic guitar player who has played with a lot of the greats out there. You know, people from the Almond Brothers on. Uh, wow. Don Poncho, of course, and, yeah, and Morley Bartonoff. Don Poncho was in Arthur Lee's Love. Uh, Morley Bartonoff has been in some of the biggest LA groups, Drama Rama, Burning Sensations, etc. Anyways, wow. that year. 2000, the first year I put it together, we won the Los Angeles Tribute Act of the Year. Wow. Which supports, uh, yeah, you know. But then I, then I thought, well, why not? You know, because, I, you know, like you, I put 110% into everything I do. And I kind of think if I was going to see someone that I felt as strongly as I do for John Lennon, I would want them to give it their all. And, um, Sure. And that's what I try to deliver when I do my show. And now, you do two shows, right? Or you do two different shows? You do a, the live band show, and then you do an unplugged show, right? Well, that's correct. And that kind of started with Joe Johnson and the crews. It, we were Joe Johnson's first Beatle act, Revolution was, uh, about 13 years ago. And we did a couple of Radisson cruises, and it went over so well. Uh, that yeah, I've probably appeared with Joe easily half a dozen times. And uh, and I'll be with him again this coming February, uh, a couple weeks uh, yet to come. And yeah. I couldn't bring the whole band on the cruise. So uh, what I did was, you know, I, I would take what the band would do. I'm, I'm pretty good at recording and computers and things like that. So I, I would make my own, let's call them backing tracks, but... I didn't want it to come off cheap or corny, not this karaoke type of a thing. I wanted it to feel like the Beatles, you know. So I worked very hard at it. And um, because you've seen the show, you know the video enhances it and all that. And it worked worked a lot better than I expected, you know. And in the audience, you know, you get the likes of Mark Hudson and and Lawrence Juber. So, you know, you're a little bit nervous that it's going to pull off, you know, first rate. But it seems yeah. to work very well, and um, and I'll be doing that again uh, in, in a couple of weeks uh, with Joe, etc. You're going to go on the February the 1st through the 8th on the Allure of the Seas, and I know that they're booked, but you'll be doing that again next year when he does his Beatles and the Boys cruise, I know. And people had better get in and start booking for that one now because yeah. um, it fills up fast, doesn't it? Well, thank you, Jude. You know, one thing that you said that I really struck me close to the heart, you said, you know, it's one thing to be a writer, but 95% of, 5% of it is writing, and 95% is selling the books. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Didn't you say that? I did. That's what I always say, and it's the truth. It is the truth. I mean, you can be as brilliant as you are and, you know, um, when I did one of the vignettes for, for Joe, you know, uh, when Yoko first came up with Grapefruit, she published, you know, however many copies, 500 copies of it on a plain white cover because that's all she could afford. Sure. And she she couldn't give them away, you know? Yeah. 
And and ironically, grapefruit is really where imagine comes from. You know, imagine a cloud in the mm-hmm. sky. You know, dig a hole in the ground and let the water drip. You know, mm-hmm. um, and yet now it's one of the most famous pieces of writing ever. So you just got to know it, it. It's about selling it. It is about selling it as far as the public's concerned. Right, and you do that. You know how to sell it with the the photos behind you, the live band, and your knowledge of each song and your mannerisms and everything you do, you definitely sell it. And what we're going to do in just a second is listen to you actually performing Strawberry Fields Forever. But I want I do call her from the 626 area code. I see you, and I know that you're on the line. So don't give up. We're going to come to you in just a minute, and we're going to open the phone lines for other callers, 646-668-2641. So as soon as we finish listening to Strawberry Fields, we'll bring on our first caller, Tim, and we'll uh, we'll chat with a few people if that's okay with you. That's okay with me, Jude, whatever you say. Uh, okay, well, set us up with Strawberry Fields. Tell us what we're going to be listening to here well, I'm not sure where I, you know, some of these, when you asked me to pull them, I can't remember where or, you know, I, I've been all over the world with this show. Uh, the right. Charlie Fields might be from Chile, Santiago, Chile. If you can imagine Ooh. that, we've been, yeah, we've been there twice. And um, it, it, it's fascinating when you go to foreign countries, uh, you know, another country, India, <laughs> we actually performed, and these people are just rabid fans of the Beatles. That's the one thing about the Beatles is they are truly, truly universal. And these people have such a passion for it. And I can remember, you know, all of them singing along. You know, I didn't even ask them, so I couldn't even speak the language, you know. But, boy, they they knew everything. And at the end, you know, they they just grabbed me and hugged me and said, you are our John Lennon. And I, I just felt so... Um, elated that that you know that they felt so strongly for the music and um, fascinating. So I think I think what you're going to hear is Strawberry Fields. The interesting thing I just read about Strawberry Fields, and as you know, in studying the Beatles, something new always seems to turn up, even though you've been studying them for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. I noticed I noticed a piece where John was talking to Mimi. Uh, you know, because Strawberry Fields was right near, you know, Menlove Avenue. And right. John would go and play, he would go and play there. You know, I've been there, I'm, and I know you've been there. Okay. Um, and, they, and they put the gates back on, the, the red gates that um, kind of keep, you know, people out uh, uh, sure. of the property. But, you know, yeah. John would climb over the fence, do whatever he did, because that's where he wanted to be and play. He He just had an affinity for it. And Mimi said, John, you know, you're going to get in trouble for that. And John said, come on, Mimi. They don't hang you for something like that. And in the song he says, says, nothing to get hung about. I thought, interesting. I love it. Isn't that something? I love it. That is great. I wonder if that's what he was referring to. I, I love anyway. it. And Jim Birkenstadt said to me this afternoon, we were talking about you coming on the show, and Jim just recently acquired a board off of John's treehouse and auctioned it off, and, and I bought like a million books to get into the auction and, and ended up winning it. And Jim said, you know, when he talks about no one being in his tree, they must be high or low. I wonder if he was sitting in that treehouse as a little boy. Well, you know, I, and that's the thing about John. He can take 
he can take something that's so obviously real, but he can turn it, flip it, you know, just enough yeah. to make it sound like, you know, it could be anything anywhere. But when you get down to it, you know, he, I mean, he was a, just a brilliant man and a great writer, but um, he had a certain affinity for being able to just conjure up these wonderful, you know, John and his wordplay, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, he um, was. Well, let's and, listen, and we'll listen to Strawberry Fields forever. And this is Tim singing it, perhaps in Chile, but definitely on concert in his Just Imagine, <laughs> the tribute to John Lennon. Here it is. All right. Singing along, they were into that, weren't they? Yeah, I think that is Chile because I, I can remember it was almost like being back in the '70s where they did stadium concerts, and before the show there was this chanting, almost like it was a football game going on, and uh, it, you know it just took your breath away to go out there. And again, th- these are people that, for the most part, don't really speak English, but they hung on every word, and uh, and we knew it, and they knew song, every word. Yeah, yeah, same thing with same, same thing with India. We we would you know we went there twice, and um, you're looking out over say three thousand people, and they are just word perfect. They know every song, and a two hour show was not enough for them. They actually Gosh. kept us there, and we had to play more and more music for about almost four hours, almost twice what we bargained for, but. It was such a happening that you just had to, you know, you had to go for it. That is amazing. Well, we do have someone waiting to talk to you, so let's see who's on the line. Uh-huh. Hello, caller from 626. How are you? I'm fine. Are I guess that's still... me. That's you. Who do we have with us? Uh, hey, Tim, this is Sal. Sal. Sal Gomez. Wow. Yeah, that's me. I just wanted to say two things, and I'll hang up and listen. Uh, first of all, uh, we've talked about this before, but I thought, I thought maybe you want to talk about it a little bit, is you know, when you're on stage and you're doing the show and you've been told this before, people think or they feel like you're channeling John Lennon himself in 
you know, how do you feel about that when you hear that, or do you actually feel that when you're on stage? And the second thing is, is I hope you get a chance to talk about your original music. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're definitely going to do that, Sal. In fact, we're going to play two of his songs uh, during the show tonight. I'm so glad you brought that up. Perfect. Okay, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, Sal. Thank you for calling. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. All righty. All right, Tim, so do you feel like you're channeling John Lennon? You know, that's an interesting question. I've, you know, I even have a, a, a woman out here, a friend of mine. She's now a very, very good friend of mine. Uh, her name is Melody, and, um, you know, when, when it comes to psychics and things like that, for the most part, I'm skeptical, I'll be honest. But I really think that she's, I really think that she's kind of, if anyone hits the mark, I've, I've, I've heard her say several things that that I, I, I thought were impossible. Um, I had a friend of mine, for example, a, a lady friend out in Ohio that had stage four ovarian cancer. This was just in the last few months. And I told Melody about it. She says, don't worry, she's she's going to be fine. And I just thought, well, wouldn't that be nice? She went into complete remission. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing. And that's just one example. So and it, bottom line is, I believe in this woman. And she tells me, she she became a fan of the show. She says, you do channel John. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. For me, <laughs> for me, listen, I, I, you know, I never got to meet John, and I'm so sad that I never got. I did meet Paul, and I did meet, uh-huh. you know, yeah, I got to, yeah, I shook Paul's hand. I, I met him at the Beverly Wilshire. He was still with, um, I did Heather. Heather, uh uh-huh. Yeah, yeah and we um, all did. You're right, you know, and uh, what a wonderful evening because uh, it was a black tie affair. My friend paid for it. I didn't have the money for it. Uh, and then, of course, she had her uh, presentation about Adoptive Minefield. And then Paul, this was one of the first times he had his new group, and uh, he did a set with them, and then Paul Simon came out with his group and did a set. Can you imagine that? Not God, for that's that. how exciting was that? Oh my God! You're and you're really you're you're within spitting distance of two legends and just amazing. And my friend disappeared. You know he'd had a few drinks. Uh, next thing I knew, I look and he's over at Paul's table. And I thought, oh, oh my God, God, we're gonna get. I know we're gonna get thrown out. No, he waves <laughs> me over. Paul gave him the green light. And what do you say when you have a chance to meet a Paul McCartney? You know. Right. Um, but I. I, I did the right thing. I turned first to his wife at the time. I said, wonderful presentation, which she liked very much. And then I turned to Paul and I said, then happy birthday on Monday because, you know, it would have been uh, June 18. He said, oh, thank you very right. much, you know. Uh, and I just remember, what a nice guy. And, and he sh- reached out his hand, and I got to shake it. And I just remember the longest, softest, slender fingers, you know, thinking, that this guy does not do construction for a living. <laughs> but here I'm, you know, here I am holding one of my idol's hands. Yeah. But what a, and I think that's what was special about the Beatles is that, as big as they became, they they never took themselves too seriously as far as celebrity. Yeah. Now, I truly believe they, they they knew that they were gifted and, and and had a certain something and and belonged where they ended up, but. 
as John would say, you know, the queen, she puts her pants on one leg at a time, you know. We all do. <laughs> you know, and that was what's still beautiful about the Beatles. It is. So, it is. They were yeah. they were just as they was before they was, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. And I've had a great, you know, like you, when I, when I read about you um, on Beatle News or, or uh, the many things that you crop up on, to, you know, you, you, you've had a wonderful journey in meeting, uh, whether it's Alan, Alan or, you know, I mean, Alan, not, not Alan, who am I thinking of? Alan Williams, you yeah. know, or, um, yeah. or Bill Hackle, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. you know, wonderful stuff, you know, and I've gotten to meet a lot of these people, you know, Tony Bramwell, um, it, it just goes on and on. And um, it's, it's so exciting, isn't it? People, and the more you get to know these people, and I know you're having uh, Ruth and Angie McCartney on, you know, wonderful, down-to-earth, real people. Really, really. And that's where the Beatles came from, you know, a real kind of a working-class mentality. And, you know, the, you know, no one was supposed to be greater than the other. You know, they all work together. Uh, so it's a, fabulous thing. it's a fabulous group to have, you know, in our generation to grow up with. Um, it is. And, yeah. They brought us together, and they united us in a way that I don't think anybody else would have been able. There was so much in the 60s that was divisive, but that was our uniting factor. And you sing about that, and John sang about that in Come Together. So let's listen to you performing Come Together. Where was this, Tim? Where were you singing Come Together? Well, again, I'm not sure where these come from because I don't keep the files on it as as I should. My brother takes care of most of that. Um, okay. I, it could be the last place I think we did it, and it might be from there, uh, was Deer Valley, Utah, where if you can imagine being at the base of a mountain with behind you is like, you know, this five-star hotel, but looking out over this crowd of a couple thousand people is the ski slopes. Wow. Yeah, and so it was a beautiful outdoor concert and just magnificent. So I believe this is from Deer Valley, Utah, but I can't be sure. Okay, well, let's listen. Here is Tim Piper from Just Imagine, the tribute to John Lennon with Come Together.
So, Tim, we're sitting there at the base of that mountain, and we're looking out over that beautiful scene. Tell us what we're seeing and what, how you're performing that song. What are, what are we seeing as we, as we listen to you? Well, at this point in the show, uh, you know, this, this is like 19... There it comes again. I'm going to take it all the way yeah. down. There we go. There we go. Okay. Well, it, you know, in the, from the audience's perspective, they're all, all on, like, lawn chairs, or if you're in the cheaper seats, you're standing <laughs> in the surrounding areas behind you. But you have a couple of, uh, in this particular event, there's a couple of jumbotrons on either side of the stage showing the video. You've got the band, of course, um, which encompasses the stage. I'm in kind of like the uh, the famous army jacket that John wore at the one-to-one concert in Madison Square Garden. But really, you know, he's talking about the period of, you know, breaking up with the Beatles. You're seeing videos of really the Vietnam War. And, you know, and that's what the army jacket was really supposed to be about, you know, John was always trying to talk about things. Uh, let me just sidestep for a second, because the other day I saw Selma, you know, the Martin Luther King thing. Right. And right. what was, in, you know, what was interesting about that, as I'm watching it with my son, who's now 22 and a huge Beatles fan, uh, you know, John was always very politically active and, you know, when LBJ is talking to Martin Luther King and they're about to make this march from Selma to Montgomery, that's the same summer of a hard day's night and the Beatles touring America for the first time and in Jacksonville, Florida, John says, I'm not going on stage if it's going to be any, you know, segregation. Right. You know, they're all going to sit where they want to sit or I'm not stepping on that stage. I mean, Excuse me, but how ballsy for 1964? <laughs> no, really, really. Uh, you know, but he really meant it, and and it was Brian who was always trying to say, "Don't say anything about the Vietnam War, John. Don't say anything." And it frustrated John to no end. Now I know you know Larry Kane, uh, yeah, who who traveled with them as well. Same thing, you know. Um, you know, Larry Larry will tell you because he was there that. You know, John wanted to speak out against wrongdoing, uh, right. but he wasn't really allowed, so it was frustrating to him. So finally, when he had a chance, he came out in, in you know, in, in ways that were, you know, bigger than maybe uh, he expected. But um, that was John. He 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 felt he felt an obligation to you know to humanity. Yeah, and and he was not afraid to say it. And what I love about what you do is. You don't just get the the accent right and get the look right and have the photos of John behind you, but you know the history, not only of each and every song, but you know the history of the time period and how that song fits into the context of that time period. And I wanted to share with everyone who's listening, we all know that theater critics are harsh. They're tough. They're tough. But Lee Kennecott, this is what Lee Kennecott said about your show. Tim Piper's okay. Just Imagine, tracing John's history from his childhood in Liverpool and almost up to his assassination, is amply illustrated by a superlative assemblage of footage, also by uh-huh. Tim Piper, that reinforces the image. Rather than a chronological rundown of songs, Piper and his director, Steve Altman, interweave 
suitable melodies to recreate a tapestry of memories. He begins sweetly and quietly with Mother and Julia, then segs into the Hamburg scene with Money and She Loves You, and on through the Magical Misery Tour. What a great review. And that's what you do. I mean, you set the stage with why John's doing what he's doing because of his feelings for Julia and his mother, and then you begin to do the show. Are you getting the feeling that you need to do Mother and Julia first because you're telling people what he believes in? I, I think most people, as you well know, don't really know uh, how tough it was for John in his early years. Yeah. Um, you, you explain it very well in your book. You make it feel the, the thing. The thing that's kind of cool about your books is, is you put it in, almost like like they're talking right at you. That's kind of right. what I do with my show. I think too. You know. I mean. It's a little poetic license, of course. You know, you weren't there with a microphone, but you know the history well enough that you can interpret it in a way that you make it sound like you're, you're a fly on the wall when this is happening. And I found that people, they all have their own uh, images in their minds, you know, etched there forever of the Beatles, but they don't really know the background as well as one might think they, they would. So right. I just try to fill I try to fill in those holes with the imagery and with the dialogue and I try not to ever be the same. I try to, you know, be there at the moment. Um because people re- people have told me, especially people that were around during that period, they said, Man, you took me back, you know, to my childhood and then what's fascinating is They've all got a wonderful story, and you know I can't get enough of that. You know, uh, and, and I've met remarkable people who, you know, one guy was playing bass for the Smothers Brothers at the Troubadour when when John was heckling them. I yeah. met Leon. I met his lawyer Leon um, on a cruise ship. You know, uh, he handed, handed me his card and said, you know, are you there? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I I hit something at the I lost you. Um, what was his last name? Leon. I want to say Wiles. Leon. I can't think of his name. Often I'm I'm terrible with names. But he was the guy that got John his green card. And there oh, he yeah. was in the audience. Yeah, watching our show, and then he introduced himself to me afterwards. I mean, magnificent stuff that you couldn't pay for. You know, and it's only because I have the the good fortune to be able to travel the world singing songs that inspired me as a child, you know, et cetera. Yeah. So. And you do, yeah. you meet the greatest, greatest people. And speaking of that, we have someone waiting on the line to talk with you. So we're going to bring oh. our caller on from the 781 area code. Hello, caller. How are you? Are you there, caller? Hey, Jude. Yes. Hi, how are you? Is this Ed? Yes, it is. Oh, How you so doing? good to hear you. Have you ever oh, heard with Tim before? Ed Hartnett, Tim Piper. Hi, Tim. How are you doing? Ed. Good. I, How are you, sir? Good. I've talked to you before on uh, Beetle Brunch. Uh, you were one of the uh, monthly uh, first of, first Thursday of the month. Uh, I, couple do, of months I do. I do. Rec- yes, I recall. Right. Yes. I just want to say that I, I, I'm just fascinated by you. I just you just you embody the John Lennon, a hundred percent. It's 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 amazing, and I and I believe I've I've also seen you in concert either 
uh, doing either Beatlemania or Rain, and it was probably a few years ago. And it was it was on yeah. the East Coast. I don't know if you ever did anything on the East Coast. Oh sure, I've done tons of stuff on the East Coast. In fact, anytime I play, you know, and, and you know, someone I get to talk to them, I say, "Well, where are you from?" And they they kind of you know kind of put out, "Well, you're not going to." I said, "Try me." <laughs> I've been just about everywhere. It feels like. Um, yeah, I, I played for Rain two years ago when they were uh, making their move into Broadway. <clears throat> I played, gosh, Chicago and Pittsburgh and Atlanta, uh, New Orleans, whatever, you know. And that was fun. I mean, I've known those guys forever because they started out here in, in California, too. Uh, I have my own groups, you know, the Beatlemania shows. I've, I've, I've done them. In fact, I'm doing a guest appearance in Mexico, when I get back from a cruise with a, with a great band called Get Back, uh, with Jack Petrella, who plays Paul McCartney, who was also in Beatlemania. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a bad life when you think about it, you know, getting to play Beatles songs and, and acting out, you know, the, the, the thing that turned me on, you know, when, when I was young. It's, it's, it's wonderful. So uh, you're not going on the cruise, are you, Ed? No, I'm sorry I'm not. I wish I, wish I was because I think it would be a, a great show. I'm going to ask you a favor, Ed, if you don't mind. Um, Tim is getting ready to release for the first time, not a John Lennon LP, but his own LP as a solo musician. And if you don't mind, we're going to play one of his songs off of the new LP. We're going to let him tell us about it afterwards. But I'm going to ask you to stay on the line and listen to this song and give us your reaction when we finish playing it. Would you mind doing that? No problem. Okay, here is... Tim Piper off the new LP that will be coming out soon. This is called Ordinary Life. Who am I? What have I done? You think by now the battle should have been won. No, but instead I've painted myself into a corner and I'm dying to get out. But I'm overcome with doubt.
All right, Ed, we're coming to you. What's your reaction to Ordinary Life? I, I really like the song. I really like that song. I wish I could hear it, uh, you know, in a in, in a better light, you know, in, in stereo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What I heard, I really enjoyed. I, I, I love the voice. I love the, the, the instruments that were being used. Uh, he has a great voice. I mean, if he was trying to be Tim Piper, the performer, I'd love it. If he was being John Lennon, I'd still I'd still love the song. It is well, thank you. It is Tim. Yeah, Tim, I really well, like the song. I appreciate that. You know, the 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 backstory to that song is uh, what I'm trying to do, Jude, is one day I would like to have a show. What the song really is about is being a John Lennon tribute artist that finds himself in middle age and wondering, well, what happened to my life? Right. You know, right. I mean, I, I toured the world, but, you know, you know, John Lennon once said, you know, it, 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 so we, we can teach you how to swim, but then it's up to you to swim. Right. In other words, I, I can't be John Lennon, even if I wanted to for the rest of my life. There's, there was only one John Lennon. And let me make that very clear. I love the, the spirit and the idea and the being that was John Lennon with all my heart. But John Lennon might have ate me up and spit me out for breakfast. You know? Yeah. I mean, God, God, bless, God bless him, right? But he, for whatever reason, I, I, as well as millions of people, were attracted to him, and I will appreciate and study him for the rest of my life. But I am not John. Not really. In fact, I'm about the polar opposite of John, you know, um, as much as I uh, love him. So this play concept is, well, what do I do now? So who is Tim Piper? And that's what that song's about. Yeah, it is. And it's, it is, I agree with Ed that it is a very sincere, touching, and beautiful song. And I think you're really on to something there. Well, Ed, thank you so much for calling in tonight. We sure do appreciate it. No, no problem, Jude. You have a good one. Good you have a great, okay. great talking to you. Yeah. Okay. You good to hear you. Already. Now, so Tim, I, I know that making an LP is a lot like building a house, that it's never completed when you think it's going to be, but when do you think the LP is going to be coming out? Oh, gosh. You know, that's why I said I, my hope is to finish it. I'm about halfway done, and I'd like Good. to have it out, by, I'd like to have it out by, by early spring, something like that, so when summer hits, you know, it's out there. Until that comes, how can people keep up with that? Where can they find you? Are you on Facebook or where? Well, a couple of things, yes, and thank you for asking. Uh, first of all, Just Imagine, which is the show that I perform, there's two Facebooks. There's Just Imagine and there's uh, Tim Piper, I think it's Tim Piper Music. So, so these are two websites you can go to as well, and one will lead you to the other. So just imagine, or just imagine the show dot com. Let me say that one more time, as one word. Just imagine the show dot com, and Tim and Tim Piper Music, as one word dot com, and through one of those two, I'm not the greatest, you know, Facebook guy. <laughs> you know, um, t- technically I'm good with computers and recording and this and that. Uh, technology, but when it comes to you know social media, I'm a little bit behind. 
uh, unfortunately. That's why I say I don't even text, you know. But it'll keep, it'll keep me safe. It'll keep me safe on the freeway, right? That's um, right. That's true. So either one of those, I think, Jude, uh, and thank you again, uh, will lead people to be able to see the videos and find out how to get you know a hold of these recordings. Yeah, it's great, and you can on JustImagineTheShow.com, and that's all small letters, no caps, JustImagineTheShow.com. You get to see each one of the videos. We we were going to do Don't Let Me Down, uh, and we didn't get to do that, but you can see that, the video, as he's performing it, and it's amazing when you go there. Now, besides Joe Johnson's cruise, which is coming up February 1st through 8th, where can people see you this spring and summer, Tim? Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, this spring, starting at the end of March, uh, like I said, February we're doing the cruise. I'm out to Mexico with Get Back for a kind of a guest appearance, if you will. Then we go back into the Los Angeles area uh, in the San Fernando Valley. Um, there's the West Valley Playhouse. And uh, we will be there for about a month. Wow. So we're, yeah, this is a return engagement. We kind of surprised them with a a good turnout over the summer, and they invited us back. That's the West Valley Playhouse. Um, that, that's the end of March through April. We're going to be at Abbey Road on the River. Oh, Have you good. heard of that? Oh, yeah. Everybody loves Abbey Road on the River. That's great. Oh, yeah. We we were one of the first ones again when it started in Cleveland. It was right near the uh, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and uh, Gary Jacob runs that. Uh, he's the promoter. And we headlined it for the first I don't know four, five, six years. It it eventually moved to Louisville, Kentucky, uh-huh. and uh, you know, and that's where it is now. Uh, we will be there at the end of May. Uh, and he's invited us to do other shows, probably Washington, something else when it comes around October. Because believe it or not, folks, 2015 means that's John Lennon's 75th birthday anniversary. Can you believe that? That's crazy. That's just crazy. Who can believe that? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, it's a, you know, once again, it's going to be a big year for John and the Beatles and um, all the things that we love about it. So, uh that's you know, and, and other things are starting to pour in, but that that should be enough to get started, right? Yeah, that is fantastic. I so would love to see you at Abbey Road on the river. I uh, would love to go, but booths are a little bit expensive when all you're selling is a twenty dollar book. I would really have to sell like crazy to be able to go. But I will, I will be sure to keep announcing that you're going to be there, and that is going to be a fabulous time. Well, we've got about seven minutes left, so I want to play one more of your songs so that people can hear it. This one is entitled The Shot Heard Round the World, and it's going to be on Tim's solo LP coming out sometimes, we hope, this spring. Here it is. Fifty years and counting, though it seems like yesterday. Sunday night in black and white. We heard the angels play The shot heard round the world The likes of which we've never known 
you to come back on the show when you release it and let's play some more tracks from it that's wonderful i know the time has just flown by but and i knew it would with you uh jude i have a i have a secret dream and that is that one day you and i maybe with joe johnson will tour some cities and do a, a special presentation where we can sell books and Maybe do my one-man version of Just Imagine and have Joe and and the two of us talk about all things Beatles. Wouldn't that be fun? 
let me tell you something. If if you and Joe are involved in it, I'm packing my bags right now. That would be a blast. That would be a blast. I love both of you guys so much. It would be well. I want to tell you, Tim, because we're going to run out of time. How much I appreciate what you do, and I want to thank you from my heart for honoring John in such a a knowledgeable and thoughtful and caring way and for always keeping his image and his songs and his portfolio out there and not just for the boomers like Sal and and um Ed and me who remember but for the new people coming along at, who wouldn't know about John otherwise and thank you for giving so much of your life to doing that I really appreciate it Listen, you know, the the one thing that you and I also have in common is we don't really do it. I mean, yes, we we got to get paid, you know, so we can continue to do, but we do it out of love. We yeah. do it because we would do it, we would do it, and we have done it for nothing because oh, yeah. it, moved, it moved us and it still moves us. And it's a, you know, in a world that's so difficult these days, it's still a light of hope that shines and will overcome all things negative. It's, the Beatles were a positive energy, and, um, and we do it for the love, I think. We did. We did, and I want to let everyone know that next week on the John Lennon Hour, we have another real treat, Sarah Schmidt from MeetTheBeatlesForReal.com will be here. Uh, Sarah has the largest collection of Beatles photos in the world, and she's chronicled the stories of many, many, many people who've had real-life encounters with the Beatles. The stories aren't published in books or periodicals. They aren't repeated a thousand times over. They are unique stories of people just like me and just like Tim, people that have run into Paul or run into George or John or Ringo as, as they went about their daily lives. And Sarah's going to tell us some of those great stories. Some of them are funny. Some of them are very serious. Mark Lewison reads her website every week, so don't miss Sarah next Thursday night when she shares these tales of people who were lucky enough to meet the Beatles for real. And I thank everyone for listening tonight and everyone for being here, especially the magical and talented Tim Piper. And for more info on Tim's incredible show, Go to JustImagineTheShow.com where you can see his videos and hear his music, read his reviews, and find out where he'll be performing in the next few months. Until next week, guys, all the best to you and yours. ta and shine on. <laughs>